wreaking havoc. Wreaking havoc. News, interviews, and more. We just reek of Huntsville Havoc Hockey. It's time for another Reekin' Havoc podcast. I'm Tim Lambert. Laura Pitts takes control of our In the Slot segment this week. She'll be visiting with outgoing athletic director Jason Lopez. He's got another one of those behind-the-scenes points of view that fans rarely get a glimpse at. That's coming up next on the Reekin' Havoc podcast. The Reekin' Havoc podcast. Got something to say? Put it on a t-shirt, or hoodie, or apron, or even an iPhone case. Just go to DaddyO'sCustomTees.com and make it happen. Look through their selection of ready-made designs, or make one of your own. Check out their special hockey designs, too. With Daddy-O's Custom Tees, you can truly have it your way. Look for Daddy-O's Custom Tees on Facebook, follow them on Twitter or Instagram, or go online to DaddyO'sCustomTees.com. That's D-A-D-D-Y-O-S, custom, T-E-E-S, dot com. Daddy-O's Custom Tees, they've got your back, or front. Let's go in the slot. Welcome back, everyone, to another In the Slot segment this week with the Wreaking Havoc podcast. I'm Laura Pitts, and today we have um, Jason Lopez with us, who has served as the Havoc athletic trainer since 2013. During his time, he was part of that back-to-back SPHL championship team run, and he recently announced his departure from the Havoc team um, and will transition on to a new adventure with All Elite Wrestling. But before he gets too far away from the Havoc hockey world, we wanted to catch up with Jason and get him to talk about not only what it means to be an athletic trainer, um, but also his time with the Havoc and, and see what we could come up with, uh, some good stories and some uh, memories he's had over those years of, of being with the team. So, um, Jason, we are so excited to have you and to chat with you this week. Welcome to our show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. You know, it's interesting. I was thinking about this as I was prepping for our talk today that I always think about the players. You know, we see the players. We think about the coaches. And now that I've talked with Billy Welker, I now think a little bit more about what the equipment manager does. But I have often forgotten about this pivotal role that the athletic trainer plays as part of the team. Um, And so I'm hoping today you'll kind of help myself and listeners understand a little bit more about what that role does, Um, especially, you know, for for a hockey team, especially. Um, So tell us a little about about you. Where are you from? How'd you get into this whole career as being an athletic trainer? All right. Well, I am originally from Tampa, Florida. Um, I went to undergrad at the University of South Florida, where I got my undergraduate degree in athletic training. Um, I kind of got in to athletic training by just growing up being an athlete. Um, just like every other athlete, I got hurt. And it wasn't until, you know, the last two years in high school where we had an athletic trainer at our school. Um, someone I could see at the school when I sustained an injury. Um, spending time in there in the training room, doing rehabs, recovering, really got me interested in um, athletic training. Uh, I always enjoyed sports. I grew up playing sports, wanted to continue being around sports, but I also knew I wasn't going on to play professional baseball or professional football, anything like that. Um, I also have had an interest in science and medicine in particular. So this is really marrying the two together and 
gave me the opportunity to continue working in sports. Um, as I said, I went to the University of South Florida for my undergrad. After there, I continued my education up at Syracuse University, where I served as a graduate assistant working with the football team, uh, the men's lacrosse team. Um, I'm a Southern boy, so being up in the, in the snow and the cold did not agree with me. So I said, I need to get back down here as soon as I graduate. <laughs> and found myself in Huntsville. It was kind of a funny story. I was looking for jobs and a friend from undergrad said, Hey, a friend of mine that's in grad school with me, their hospital is looking for someone to uh, work in minor professional hockey. Would you have an interest? I said, absolutely. Let me apply. And the rest is history. So was is this the only hockey team that you've served as an athletic trainer for or was like or is this like your first real athletic training job too is what it sounds like yes this is my first full-time athletic training job i say first technical full-time athletic training job because serving as a graduate assistant up at syracuse was like working a full-time job yeah. but going to school on top of it um prior to that the only real exposure i had to hockey was watching hockey, you know, growing up in Tampa, we had the Tampa Bay lightning, you know, yeah. just coming off of a great back-to-back run, just like the havoc did a couple of years ago. Um, but that was about it. And I've watched hockey. I've loved hockey, but I've never worked hockey until coming here to Huntsville. So I want to jump back really quick to you as a person playing sports in high school. Can you tell us a little bit about that injury that you got that kind of was like, okay, I don't really know if this is something I like to do, but I don't think I'm going to be an athlete forever. Uh, Nothing really significant, nothing major. I've had, you know, MCL sprains to both knees. I've gotten concussions, you know, those minor everyday bumps and bruises that at the time, you know, it was like, okay, just rest when you're feeling better, get back to it. And as we've learned over the years, you know, motion is medicine movement is medicine start Mm -hmm. working out start doing that kind of stuff hey you you start to recover faster you get to get back into action faster and that's what i found really exciting and fascinating and that's why i was like i can make a career out of this and see i'm right the opposite i'll i will think about oh they get these horrible injuries why would they want to go do all this over again to go back out there i think about that a lot when i watch you know college football and you'll see somebody get hurt and I'll think, aren't they done? And then, you know, they do all, they put all the work into it and then they're right back out either next season or later in the season. And that's really hard for me to understand, but I guess it all comes with that love of the game and what you're playing and what you're a part of. It, it really does, you know, helping people is really what it comes down to. And that's where I get the most enjoyment out of my job is yeah. watching these players come back from injury and succeed. Um I've got, there's probably plenty of examples, but it's one of the like most recent examples that I can think of really clearly was during the COVID year, we had Matt Barnaby um, here yeah. for, you know, mo- most of that season. Yes. And, we loved Barnaby. Uh, <laughs> loved him. Yeah. And Barney early on in that season, he, you know, sustained an MCL sprain and that kept him off the ice for probably about three, three and a half weeks where he wasn't able to, you know, he wasn't at least seen by you guys during a game. Yeah. He was out of the lineup, but it was, it was very excited, exciting for me to watch like that first game. He came back, you know, he scores a hat trick, you know, him, 
did I have anything to do with him scoring a hat trick? Absolutely not. That's his work ethic and his God-given ability. But knowing that I had a part in his success by getting him back out onto the ice as quickly and safely as possible, that's where I get my enjoyment out of the job. So that kind of leads me to to ask, you know, I think about these the players when they they sustain an injury, they're out for a few games, or maybe they're out the rest of the season or they don't get to come back till playoffs, whatever that might be. How how is the athletic trainer do you keep them, I guess, motivated and hey, here's the truth. We're this is gonna we're gonna push through this or, you know, it's not looking so good. I mean, what what is your role in kind of helping that mental game too when it comes to they're they're hurt and then you know, you're the one kind of working with them to help them get back out there. Uh, The biggest aspect is keeping them engaged with the team and making sure they understand that even though you are hurt, you are still a part of this team. You're still contributing to this team, you know, maybe not on the ice, but other ways off the ice. And that, you know, the hard work you put into rehab will help get you back, you know, to the game that we all want to see you playing much, much faster. And yeah. I'm I, the one thing I'll say is I'm not alone in this. Uh, luckily, over the last few years, I haven't been the only person having to do this. I've had excellent support from some of our other staff members. Um, yeah. Specifically, I'll say Lindley Martin. She is, I call her our rehab coordinator. Um, she works in the world of physical therapy, but she, you know, it started off years ago. She volunteered her time to come, you know, work on a player that was returning from an injury. It started off her coming to help warm him up before a game to morphing into her helping every game day and then eventually traveling with us on the road. Yeah. Um, so it's not just me. It's a big team effort trying to get these guys healthy and back on the ice. Well, and also you got to keep them healthy through the game and, and, and through the season also. Um, do you ever think about when it's off season? Oh, don't nobody needs to get hurt. Nothing crazy needs to happen. Do you ever y'all ever have those thoughts go through your head? The thought that goes through my head the most is how much I would love to like have guys here year round to do stuff with. Not necessarily from an injury perspective, but even a sport performance perspective. Yeah. And, you know, corrective exercise and maintenance perspective. Um I think some of our most successful players, when you see them coming back from an injury, were guys that, you know, played through injuries late in the season, got surgeries in the offseason because they got to stay here a little bit longer um, for rehab, but not so much the staying here longer, but we got to bring them back in early because we needed to make sure they were hitting certain benchmarks to be able to get cleared to return to play. And that gave us the extra opportunity to, you know, work on some things, you know, both rehab and a little bit performance wise to let them be successful as soon as they stepped on the ice. Yeah. Well, that that leads me to this question of staying conditioned as a hockey player. Um, I know that there is a level of conditioning that anybody who plays a sport goes through both during the season and off season. But for those of us who may not realize it, you know, what does that conditioning look like for people who play hockey specifically? That is an excellent question and probably a better question for our strength and conditioning specialist um, 
Blake Lancaster. Okay. Um, we'll, we'll, put it, what I, we'll put that name down and we'll try to track all these other people down for our podcast. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Because a lot of what I do, I do do a little bit of sport performance type stuff and return to play stuff from injury wise, but yeah. I can do some conditioning type stuff, but that's not, you know, where I took my specialty when it comes to athletic training. A lot of people, when they think of athletic trainers, they associate us with personal trainers. Mm-hmm. We are not personal trainers. Um, we're healthcare professionals, um, you know, focused on providing quality care to athletes, in this case, the havoc. So uh, what for me, it's a lot more injury prevention, injury assessment, immediate care in those emergency type situations, um, rehab after injury, also getting them back, return, making sure they're ready to return to play um, after an injury, not just, okay, hey, the doctor said you're clear, jump out on the ice, you're ready to jump into the game. That's not always the case. So there, there's that level of conditioning there um, that we do with them strength-wise, cardiovascular-wise, you know, sport-specific-wise. Um, you know, I do, I do more education and counseling with the players, communicating with other medical professionals, our team physician, our team chiropractor, all that kind of stuff, and keeping up with the records. When it comes to, like, that off-season training, I leave that to the guys and every once in a while, I think they reach out to Blake. Well, that's interesting that you talk about um, what that people think that an athletic trainer is a personal trainer, um, because I was curious what you felt were some of the misconceptions that fans have um, in general about what it means to be an athletic trainer. Well, the one thing I've noticed with our fans and interacting with our fans, they've got a better grasp than, than most about what it is an athletic trainer does. Um, I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, Huntsville hospital who I am slash was employed by when I was working with the, with the havoc has done a great job of working with Huntsville city schools, Madison city schools, Madison County schools, and putting athletic trainers into those school systems so that, you know, there's more exposure here than there are maybe in other parts of the country. Right. So let's talk about your, you ended up here with the Havoc. You take on this role. It's the first, I guess, big athletic training role that you take on. You did, you watched hockey. Did you know anything about the game or anything about the conditioning or the, the, what the athletes would need um, going into it? Or has it kind of been a learning experience over these years? You've learned a little bit more every time. Being an athletic trainer is always a learning experience every year. Everything changes from year to year player to player, um, you know, the nature of this league where you have guys that like Cy that will play here in Huntsville for seven years. And then you've got other players like one a player from my first year, Scott Harf. He played one year and that was it for him. He moved on after. So that learning curve was something new to me, but there's always something to learn each and every season. And I think, that was my goal as the athletic trainer for the havoc was to make the medical and performance side of it just a little bit better every single year. Um, because if we're able to do that, we're able to help keep guys from missing games, keep them on the ice. And that, that contributes to success on the ice. Yeah. Yeah. What are your overall, I guess, perceptions or 
things that you leave with memory wise of just being not necessarily things that have happened in a game or anything like that, but just the organization itself and with havoc. Um, you know, we, we, I talk about this all and I will ground this into the ground till, till I can get, uh, Keith and Becky to, uh, Miss Jeffries, you know, them to come and chat with us. But what is it about the havoc experience you think that, um, kind of has, made, I guess, your experience worthwhile because you have stayed a pretty decent amount of time here in this role. Actually, the family atmosphere, you know, you, you talk, people talk about organizations as if we're family, you know, you know, this is your work family you know, in, in, in general, most, most places that's like, yeah, you're my work quote family, but really you're just my co-worker here. It actually is that kind of, that kind of relationship where it's family, it's community. We celebrate each other's, you know, successes. Um, you know, we're there for each other. If there, there's something bad, you know, I thankful every day that Keith and Becky gave me the opportunity to be the athletic trainer um, for this team with absolutely no professional experience coming in um, and gave me that opportunity to develop and grow. That is one of the reasons why, I probably have stayed for so long because um, they o- over the years you get calls from people, Hey, you have an opportunity here. You have an opportunity there. And it was just, man, I, I love it here. I've got it so good here. It's uh, I'm not ready to leave. I hear that from so many players too, that they just, they're just not ready to leave yet. You know, there's this longevity that comes from this place and, um, I, I, I see that trickling down into the staff as well. So that's always a nice thing to to hear echoed back. Um, so I want to talk about what a normal work week looks like for you. Not necessarily a game day, but what does a work week look like for you as an athletic trainer working with the team? So I'll give you a typical work day. It varies a little bit, but this extends throughout the week is, you know, on a normal practice day, I get it. I roll in around, eight o'clock in the morning, seven forty-five, eight o'clock, somewhere in there. And I start my prep for the day. And that for me, that is, Hey, making sure the rehab plans or the maintenance programs I have for guys are written and ready to go. Um, practice things are set up kind of, you know, simple stuff like making sure the, bo- you know, the water bottles are filled and out there ready on the ice. Um, around eight thirty, players start trickling in. You know, I try to, make contact with each player as they come in, in some manner, um, you know, just cause it's, it's, it's almost like a, just a, a wellness check when they come in like, Hey Dom, how you doing today? Everything good. Great. You know? And if there's something wrong, they'll say, Hey, yeah, I'm going to come see you in a little bit or, Oh no, everything's great. Yeah. Stuff like that. Um, then from, you know, when guys start rolling in until they have meetings or a workout, you know, I'm, working on players i'm doing rehab or taking them through maintenance programs working on doing soft tissue work or you know kind of doing i want to say i don't want to say adjustments because i'm not really necessarily doing some adjustments but you know making sure they're basically making sure their body's ready to perform that day um then they'll go to meetings um about the time they go to meetings it gives me a few minutes to breathe check on anything else I need to take care of. And then they go out and we head out to practice. You know, I like to, especially over the last few years, like to sit up high, higher in practice. Um, 
those boxes, like the, uh, the suites right behind the benches make a good spot for me to watch practice, get a bird's eye view of everything happening, but not too far away. And also work on some of like the documentation rep record keeping that goes on with the job at the same time. Then after practice, you know, guys come in, Hey, I felt, you know, I felt this during practice. Can you work on this? Hey, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm doing treatments on guys that have injuries that are maybe almost back, back to full participation, but not quite. Um, and then after that, it's, like I said, it's the documentation and, and, uh, cleaning up and then calling it a day more or less, you know, it will vary because sometimes players will have appointments. Um, a lot of times I accompany players to the appointments, um, with the doctors over at TOC, um, and TOC sports. And that is more so one so that I have good solid communication with them as to what's going on with the player. I'm able to, answer any questions that the players may have that they might not want to ask the doc or the doctor tells them something and they might not fully understand, but they might not necessarily want to ask the doctor directly. They might, it's like those, Oh, let them get out of the room and I'll ask you stuff. And it also allows me to communicate with the doctor so I can take it back until, um, Glenn or now Stu, you know, Hey, this is what's going on with the doctor. This is with the player. This is what we're going to do. These are our next steps. And then go ahead. That basically, that basically extends out to some variation of that up until, up until game day. Well, that's where I was going next was that your, your day-to-day work week might look a little different than I guess a game day or even I guess a game weekend when maybe you're home for three straight games in a row, or maybe you're home for one and on the road within an hour or two after it's over with heading to the next place. So what's, um, what's game day look like? When when we talk, when I talked to Billy and I learned about all the setup and all the things that went into that, I thought, oh my goodness, I did not realize that your your game day was just as um, busy as your regular work week. So, what's a game day for you? Well, game days it depends on if it's home or away or the first game of the weekend or the second game of the weekend at home. Um, we'll say it's the first game of the weekend at home. Come in a little early, start doing set up for the visiting team as much as I can until players come up, filling coolers, making sure they have injury ice, um, going through the little odds and ends that they need for their athletic trainer, but also just for the, for the visiting players in general. Um, and then after, you know, around still around eight thirty, our guys start rolling in and then it's, then it's kind of like business as usual. Um, oddly enough during morning skates, they're a little bit less, they're a little less busy for me personally in the training room. Um, but a lot of that is because I think guys have their specific routine of what they like to do um, on game day, but still providing treatment, you know, doing rehabs or maintenance programs with guys that need it, let them get on the ice um, for morning skate for the 20 minutes or so that they're out there. But while they're out there, I can run around and keep helping set up for the game after morning skate, they finish up Um Billy's across the hall doing skates. Um, myself, you know, we start vacuuming the floors, we start mopping the floors, and it's not just me doing it. Um, person that helps out a lot is Mark Fagenkrantz. He volunteers his time and has been volunteering his time since before I got there. And I don't know if we'd get everything done without him. So big shout out and thank you to Mark. And then uh, typically around, you know, 1230, 1 o'clock, it's lunchtime. We run out, 
lunch, go decompress for a little while, um, come back, fine tune a little, fine tune little things we need to get ready for the games, put up the fans, get, get the jerseys hung. Um, I mean, this collaborative, collaboratively amongst the staff. And then around four, four fifteen, the players start rolling in. And that's my favorite time is when the players start rolling in pregame treatments. Cause that's when guys, you know, need their, go through their routines. They need certain things from me, you know, Jason, can you adjust my hips? Lindley, can you release this on me? You know, our chiropractor, Alex Harrison, um, with last few years has been coming in on game day too. Hey, can I get an adjustment? Can I do this? You know, just little treatments, giving the guys what they need to, uh, be successful out there on the ice and then go through warmups. Um, able to get myself ready for the game finally. And then by then it's game time. And, and, and when game time, where are you at during game go, time? During game time, I am on the bench. Um, I stand pretty much people familiar with the arena where the team enters and exits during warmups or they enter or enter and exit for everything but the opening of the game. I stand right there by that door. Um, for several reasons. One, it allows me to get on and off the bench easily um, because of our proximity to the bench to like the locker room, or at least that skate lobby area. A lot of guys will, you know, sustain some sort of injury. We'll just come and go straight back there. It gives me a nice opportunity to take a look at them, um, take a look at them in a, in a, in a quieter environment, not in front of the crowd Yeah. Um, when they need that. It also, we have uh, one of our team physicians, um, Dr. Mark Shevsky, sit, sits right behind us so that if we need anything from him, I can just turn and shout to the stands and get his attention. Nice, nice. So it's it's very well old machine, it sounds like. It is, but it took, you know, it took 10 years to get as well as it is today. Right, so. right. Well, you know, I was reading over the announce, the official announcement of your departure that the Havoc office released, a press release, and uh, former head coach Glenda Tulio was quoted as saying that you've not only enhanced player performance but have prioritized their well-being. And I wanted to ask you what you feel you've done over your time that has led to that enhancement or that prioritizing of them as players, their well-being. I mean, what are the things that you feel you have contributed now? You're leaving um, this mantle, so to speak, in the hands of someone else. What, what do you feel like your role and your contribution has been? I think my biggest contribution is letting the guys know that there's someone there that cares, someone that they can come to when they have an issue. Um, not necessarily just injuries, but sometimes personal inj- personal issues. I've played therapist just as much as I've played healthcare provider. Um, I try to make things better because we we tried to develop things like injury prevention programs. It was like, Hey guys, throw this in before or after, you know, your workout today or before or after practice today, because just doing little things like that will keep you healthy. And if I can keep you healthy, I can keep you performing out on the ice. Is that something you think that other organizations do? Um, I mean, I would assume that they would, but just I can't speak. I can't speak for other organizations. Um, you know, just like this is a developmental league for the players, this is a developmental league for 
coaches and yeah. equipment managers and athletic trainers. Yeah. So that's why you've seen, you've seen, you know, two athletic trainers be there in their position in my league since I've been here longer than three years. And that's myself um, and Kyle that's in Fayetteville. And it's, I can't speak for Kyle, but like I stayed as long as I did because, you know, my love for the organization, uh, the support I got from the organization and just my enjoy enjoyment being here. We'll be back with more of the Recon Havoc podcast. This is a true sad story for ADT, the leader in home security systems. My favorite dog, Oliver, was stolen from our garage recently. If I had a camera system installed in my home from ADT, I would have known exactly what car possibly pulled up in my driveway and stole my little friend. If I had a security system from ADT, my dog would still be here. I called ADT this weekend, and they're coming out in a few days to install a camera and a new security system. Unfortunately, it's a little too late for me. Listen, protect everyone you love in your family. Call ADT now. Have them come out and give you a quote to install a full security system in your home. Don't let it be too late for you. Call right now. Paid for by the Home Security Hotline. 800-200-6543. 800-200-6543. That's 800-200-6543. Hey, this is Stuart Steffen. You're listening to the Recon Havoc Podcast. Well, let's talk injury for a little bit. Um, I'm interested in, while I want to know some Havoc injuries, you know, we want to know some stuff about some players that you can share, obviously. But um, what are common injuries that you've seen in the hockey world and maybe even some uncommon things that you've seen happen that you were like, oh, that's a new one. Wasn't expecting that. I think the two most common injuries I've seen over my time with the Havoc are MCL sprains of the knee or AC joint sprains of the shoulder. Um, That just has to do with the forces involved in playing the game. Um, And, you know, it's, 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 it's a high speed, high contact sport, you know, getting hit against the glass or going into the boards just puts you, you know, at risk for these type of injuries. What's the the bounce back from those injuries in terms of, is it like a, they're out a couple of games or it just depends on the extent of it. It depends on the extent of the injury. Um, I'll use the MCL, the knee injury as an example. The MCL is a ligament on the inside of your knee. You take your hand, put it up against the inside of your knee. That's essentially where it runs. Um, And we, we grade those based on how much laxity or how loose, loose that, their how the looseness in that joint um based on the stretching of that ligament i've seen guys come back braced as quickly as two weeks i've seen guys take six to eight weeks um one thing i do tell the guys i try to emphasize to the guys when they get back in that two to three week mark that's i want to say that's kind of where we got started you know finding a groove where we can work guys back into the lineup at least a little bit um, when they're braced is that just because you're back into hockey playing doesn't mean you're, you, you, you get to stop rehab because you're still healing. Um, right. You know, I, I can do things to, to, to help you be successful on the ice three weeks out of injury, 
but it takes six to eight weeks for this actual injury to finish healing. Right. Is that hard sometimes to get players, even level-headed players, to understand that? You know, like they want to get back out there. They love what they're doing. This is it's part of the nature and the the drive of being the athlete. But is it hard sometimes to kind of nail that into them? Every player is different. Um, you know, you have some guys that are very cautious with injury. Some guys are like, yeah, I'll be fine. Let me rub some dirt on it and get back out there. Yeah. Um, I'll speak him because he just got announced the other day. Everyone's, everyone's favorite, uh, one of everyone's favorite players, Reggie, um, just got announced. He's kind of player that I I had to rein him in more than once because he's just so eager to get back out there. And I love that about Reggie. I love that he's ready to get out there and do it. It's like, Hey man, I want you out there too. I'd rather you, I'd rather you be on the ice and bothering me in the training room, but <laughs> you know, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta slow you down a little bit so that, you know, we do this the right way and that we don't sustain another injury. Yeah. What about uncommon injury? Things you don't see very often that happen. Uh, the thing, you know, it's, it's, they're uncommon. You think they're uncommon, but the things I, you know, get my, you know, athletic trainer spidey senses going the most are, are cuts. Okay. Um, from the skates, I can think of three like really significant cuts that I've been a part of with the havoc, and then a fourth was actually a couple years ago, um, helping a player with Birmingham. Um, the first was my second year in the league, literally opening weekend, second game. We get halfway through the second period, and a skate comes up and you know, cuts one of our players on the upper mid thigh, you know, just yelling JLo, JLo, JLo is being blood dripped down on there. I don't know, you know, what, what's been cut. Is it just, Hey, we, we cut a little bit of the soft tissue. Is it deep? Have we, have we hit the femoral artery? Have we not hit an artery? Is it just bleeding because of, because of your high heart rate from playing the game? Yeah. That kind of stuff really gets me, you know, focused and dialed in. I mean, we've had a cut, we've had a player like a skate come up and clip a guy in the neck. And I think, and we've, and the Birmingham player a couple years ago, it was actually happened in Huntsville. It's like a, you know, just a play, you know, battling in front of the net guys go down and the skate caught him and it caught him up about around his jaw and had just a really nice laceration along the jawline, which, you know, looking back in hindsight, can't say for sure, but just looking at where the cut was and where it could have been, that could have been a very bad situation um, because of the jugular vein being there. Yeah. So that's the kind of stuff I'm always aware aware of and, and worried about. Well, and while we never want any of our Havoc hockey guys to be hurt in a game at all, um, I did have some listeners that were curious about any memorable moments that you could talk about or were able to talk about with Havoc player injuries that may have happened during a game or maybe was a result of a fight or just, you know, trying to get a puck in or whatever um, that you didn't care to chat about if you could. Uh, Some of it has to do with less to do with don't care to chat about, but legally cannot chat about Um, HIPAA and other legal stuff like that. It's like why I can't divulge information on injuries. But yeah. one that like most, I, I have this permission to talk about this a little bit. So I'm going to do it is 
you know, in his last season playing, um, I think it was around Halloween, um, Nolan Kaiser took a puck to the face, you know, anybody in there in that very crowded arena saw it and it kind of split his lip, um, split his lip up to his nose and knocked out some of his teeth. Now for me personally, getting out to him or him meeting me halfway out of the ice, all I get to do is I'm just trying to control the bleeding, trying to coordinate with our team physician, um, Dr. Markashevsky or Doc Mark, as he's more better known and contacting a, you know, a team dentist. Um, oddly enough, our team dentist was actually out of town that weekend. So he had someone on call getting them in to come in and take care of the situation, um, provide an evaluation of Nolan and get him, get him. So um, a little bit about Doc Mark, he's an ER doctor at Huntsville hospital and, he did probably one of the most phenomenal, you know, suture jobs to close up that wound as I've ever seen, especially if you see Nolan now and how well it's healed. Yeah. I remember when that happened, I was at that game and um, we had stayed behind a little bit and I had, and I remember Miss Jeffries was standing outside the arena and she was waiting. She was waiting on someone. And I don't know if it was somebody in our group. And part of me thinks it was my husband that, that asked the question, is Nolan okay? And I think the response was, yes, we're waiting on the, the dentist to get here. And that was, and then she, you know, she was doing yeah. business and she was gone. And I remember walking to my car going, the dentist is coming here to the Von Braun. Are they going to like fix this, like in the locker room? <laughs> and I thought that was just, while it wasn't cool that he got hurt, it was just this neat moment of, oh, they're going to come here and take care of all this stuff. Uh, you know, so th- I thought that was funny at the time. Uh, looking back on it, you know, that, that that's how that kind of happened. When you, if you can talk about it, you may, if you can, I will, we'll move on. But um, when you went out there and you were assessing Nolan on the ice, you're trying to get off the ice, there's blood coming out. There's this, the crowd's going, you know, all these, there's a lot happening in that moment. Um, how do you kind of zone in on what you're supposed to do in for lack of a better term, I would freak out. How do you not freak out in that moment? Again, we don't see pups splitting faces open every week either, kind of like cuts. So that's why I'm curious. Yeah. Um, it, it applies to Nolans, but I'll go back to my second year um, in the league and that cut to the leg in Peoria um, where we were concerned that it may, have, you know, skate may have gone deep enough to hit a major blood vessel. Um to like kind of like Will Ferrell in old school. If anybody's seen that movie, I, I just blacked out. Yeah. Um, that's kind of what it feels like yeah. a little bit, not to that extent, but it's like you get into a zone and like this higher level focus where I have no, I can't tell you what the crowd around me is doing. You know, we, the the crowd could be screaming. The crowd could be like, I just, the crowd kind of doesn't exist in those moments for me. And, and how do you calm and keep the players calm too? I mean, they have their own mentality and they, they're all, they kind of not that they expect these things to happen, but you know, it's part of the game. Okay. I'm hurt. Okay. Here we go. This is actually happening to me, but how, what do you do when you're in that moment before you're able to put them in an ambulance and send them on their way, yeah. set them up or whatever it may be. How do you keep them calm too? I mean, a lot of it has to do with me staying calm myself. And a lot of that has to do with preparation, um, being prepared for the unknown, you know, 
expecting the unexpected. Um, cause if you're expecting the unexpected, then it doesn't catch you by surprise. Yeah. And if I'm able to keep my cool, I can help them keep their cool yeah. in a very stressful situation. It, like we'll use Nolan in this, Nolan's lip in that situation, you know, me getting him to him, getting, getting, you know, putting pressure on that, that, that wound, getting me off the ice, being like, Hey, let's just calm down. We're going to get this taken care of. We're here for you. You know, we're going to provide you with some quality care, whether it's from me or whether we have to send you down the road to the hospital or if we're on the road and we have to send someone to another emergency room. You know, we've had to do, we've had to do that in recent years where we've had to send a player. um, We were playing in a arena that no longer houses an SPHL team. I won't mention their name, but people can figure it out. But, you know, we had to, we, we had to send a, a player to Champaign, Illinois to an ER 30 minutes away um, to get care. Now, obviously this is not a life threatening situation, but just because it's not a life threatening situation doesn't mean it's not a stressful situation. Right. So it's about remaining, it's about remaining calm, providing assurance, to the player that's like, Hey, we're going to do what's best for you. We're going to get you the care that you need as quickly as we can get it to you. Yeah. Yeah. And now you're transitioning out of the world of hockey and you're going to be in the world of wrestling. Um, so I wanted to, maybe as we kind of transition and close this, this conversation out today, talk a little bit about what this new role that you're taking on is going to have. And then also kind of, how did you know it was time to you know leave the havoc and kind of move on to the next big adventure? Yes, well, I am. I will be starting within the next little over a month with AEW or All Elite Wrestling. Um, they have done events in the past in Huntsville, um, where I've kind of worked alongside them when they've had events at the VBC. Their their operation is expanding, so they need to expand their medical team. And they kind of reached out to me. It wasn't necessarily something I was looking for, but it, it was an opportunity that fell into my lap. And in talking to them, it's like they it was just an opportunity I couldn't I couldn't pass up. Yeah. So, so you be doing the same stuff, I'm assuming you will do the same type of athletic training or just be a different sport. No ice. Yes. <laughs> no, I no, I I'm I'm turn, trading in the ice for the for the squared circle, um, you know, the day to day is going to look different. The operation is going to look different, but overall the job is still the same providing quality care for athletes or patients or individuals in my charge. And will you get um, to stay in, will you get to stay in Huntsville or will you and your family be moving? Nope. I will be based here in Huntsville, Alabama. Um, not going anywhere. Um, I have let Cody know for those of you that don't know Cody Miller, uh, former Birmingham Bulls athletic trainer will be stepping in to take over the reins as athletic trainer for the Huntsville Havoc. Cody is a great individual. Um, happy that he's getting the opportunity here, but I also told him he's on a very short leash because I will take my my place back on the bench if he messes up. <laughs> oh goodness! And I'm sure that um, that you'll be there to if he has questions about stuff. You know, all the all the good things. It seems like even the athletic trainers are just like Billy was talking about how 
the equipment managers are all kind of, they work together, so to speak. It, it seems like you've got pretty good relationships with the other athletic trainers in the different um, teams um, that we won't necessarily speak the name of those teams. But <laughs> yeah. Um, um, no, absolutely. I am good relations with there, but that's also, I just because I'm not on the bench with the havoc, not there the day to day, you know, the havoc is still, I'm still part of that havoc family. Yeah. Uh, we've got, we've, we've gone through so much together from seasons where we won only 11 games to back to back seasons where we, you know, got to hold up the president's trophy. Um, I still believe if COVID did COVID is the only thing that could stop the havoc from winning three in a row. But, I believe that. I believe that also. I will always hold that to heart that it, we would have won it, and I don't care what anyone says. It was ours. COVID took it from us. Yeah, but the connection I have to this organization will always be there and not go anywhere. And if there's a way I can still help this organization, I'm going to do it because I care that much about the Huntsville Havoc and everybody that's a part of that organization. Well, as you walk away from this role, what do you want, what do you hope that you have left? Like, what do you hope your legacy in this long-term time has been um, for the team that can keep going, I guess? My only hope is that, and I, and I feel that I did is that I will, I'm leaving the organization from the medical side and a better place than it was when I arrived. And I hope that, those that come after me, Cody now, whoever comes down the line after him and so on and so forth, continue to not just maintain that standard, but continue to elevate that standard. Um, because I think that's what helps drive success for the Havoc organization is that constantly elevating everything we do, doing things, just going above and beyond. Yeah. Well, finally, we're going to um, close this out. We do these cool little questions at the end of every um, interview where we ask our person who's come on to tell us, you know, what are the things that we should be watching on television or watching on Netflix or what are the what's the music we need to be listening to right now? Like leave us in a place of um, what should we, we be reading or watching or listening to right now? Well, when it comes to reading, I'm not sure many people are going to want to read the same stuff I'm reading because along with with uh, the new job, um, I'm also in a doctoral program. So I am reading a lot of stuff related to my athletic training doctoral program. How far are you? So, in your, how far are you along in your program? Uh, I'm actually getting a DAT, which is a doctoral in athletic training. It's a clinical doctorate. In, not a PhD, so I don't have to write a dissertation. Thank goodness for that. I'm actually about halfway through that program as we speak. So when it comes to reading things, I'm reading a lot of articles, um, research articles. But as far as books to read, a really good book that I've read recently was Mindset by Carol Dweck. It's very thought-provoking and talks about like having a growth mindset, which I think applies a lot to how we think, you know, within the Havoc organization, it's, it's, it's growing and developing and constantly getting better. Yeah. And as far as streaming, I'm not currently streaming anything right now. Um, I will, when I have the time, I will go back and 
um, watch old episodes of House MD um, for whatever reason. That has become my favorite show um, <laughs> back from whenever it started on Fox, however many years ago. Yeah. And then other than that, I absolutely love Ted Lasso. Oh. I haven't I haven't watched Ted Lasso yet, so uh, it's on my my list of things to get to um, before I have to start back to school working on a PhD. So when, when you you're doing doctoral work of any kind, whether you're work, writing a dissertation or not, you're doing exactly what you said you're doing: reading lots of research and research articles and, and things that most people are not interested in. <laughs> Well, we really appreciate you taking time to chat with us today, share your story, talk a little bit about your time with the Havoc. Um, we have, we've greatly enjoyed the time that you've spent with them. Um, we know there's a lot of hard work and dedication that's been put into that and, um, it doesn't go unnoticed by any means. So we were really, really thankful for your time you spent there with the Havoc, but then also for coming on and, and chatting with us today. Well, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure having me back whenever. You know, you, you want or just need someone to fill the airspace. Well, and we'll probably be reaching out to you to locate some of these individuals names that you name dropped throughout the podcast today, because we would love to have their perspective as well. Sounds good. Sounds again, good. again, a big, big thank you for your time. Um, and those of you who are fans out there that are listening to the podcast, we hope that you have enjoyed our in the slot chat with now former Havoc athletic trainer, Jason Lopez. Um, So until next time, stay sharp in the slot and keep reeking of Huntsville Havoc hockey. Before you know it, everyone, it's going to be time for the season to start, and we are ready to be right there in the middle of it. So we appreciate your time. The Reekin' Havoc podcast is always looking for ways to improve. Do you have a talent you'd like to contribute to the podcast? We'd love to hear your thoughts. Email us at reekinhavoc at outlook.com and let's talk. The Reekin' Havoc podcast. Every 40 seconds, a child goes missing somewhere in the U.S. You can help in the effort to find missing kids simply by donating your car or boat to Find the Children, a nonprofit organization dedicated to returning missing children to their families. Find the Children works closely with national and community agencies and organizations and helps distribute flyers and posters that are directly responsible for recovering missing kids. Your car or boat donation helps protect and recover children in every state and community by Sponsoring child safety and recovery programs. For fast free pickup, call anytime, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Running or not, your car, truck, van, RV, or boat will be towed away free of charge. Fast free pickup plus it's tax deductible. Everyone wins when you donate your car or boat to find the children. Call right now. 800 466 8813. 800 466 8813. That's 800 466 8813. Havoc forward Cole Reginato will be returning for his third season with the team. He started his pro career in Huntsville. In 58 games with the Havoc, Reggie has posted 12 goals and 6 assists. The Havoc is hiring game day staff for the 2023-24 season, including ruckus and chaos mascot performers, camera operators, and concession workers and servers. You can apply online by going to HuntsvilleHavoc.com, clicking on the Contact Us tab, and then selecting Game Day Staff. The 2023 Showcase Camp will be July 28th through 30th at the Huntsville I Sports Center. Cost is $300. The sign-up link is online at HuntsvilleHavoc.com. Just click on the tab in the main menu.
The fourth annual Havoc Classic Golf Tournament is coming up August 28th at Cherokee Ridge. Cost is $500 for a foursome. There will be a shotgun start at 1 p.m. with registration starting at noon. You can sign up your teams online at HuntsvilleHavoc.com under the Golf Tournament tab. Half and quarter season tickets are now on sale. Go online to HuntsvilleHavoc.com and click on the Tickets tab. College interns are needed for next season to fill sports administration and sports media positions. For more information, go to HuntsvilleHavoc.com to the Contact Us tab and click on Internships. And updated office hours for the summer are Monday through Thursday, 10 a.m. till 4 p.m. through August 4th. Then beginning August 7th, that goes to weekdays from 10 till 6 until September 1st. Then from September 5th through the end of the season, it will be from 9 a.m. till 6 p.m. Become a member of Chaos Kids Club today. Download the Kids Club app for your iOS or Android device or online at chaoskidsclub.com. The Reek and Havoc Podcast. How would you like to save money on nearly all your prescription drugs? We've set up a special toll-free number for the RX Outreach Program. They're a nonprofit company whose mission it is to make prescription drugs more affordable to the masses. They don't take insurance, and in many cases, your prescriptions are even cheaper than your co-pays. They carry thousands of different prescription drugs, so whatever you're taking, there's a good chance they have it. No coupons are required, and this is not a discount card. It is pure savings on your prescription drugs. They specialize in generic meds for any chronic health needs you have. Call with your prescription and find out for free how little you can pay for your prescription drugs. Remember, we don't take insurance, so call right now. 800-586-9885-800-586-9885-800-586-9885. That's 800-586-9885. Tickets, official Huntsville Havoc merchandise, and more, go to HuntsvilleHavoc.com. Visit our website at ReekinHavoc.com, look for us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and listen, follow, and subscribe to the Reekin Havoc podcast on your favorite platform to keep up with the only weekly podcast covering the Huntsville Havoc, the Reekin Havoc podcast.